Hey, good evening everyone. Welcome to Evening Dhamma. Tonight we're looking at, again, the Sabhasava Sutta. We're looking at Parivajjana Pahatabad. The the asava or the defilements that are to be abandoned through avoiding and so immediately this should sound some warning so it should raise some flags in your mind a flag because uh, mindfulness, of course, is all about not avoiding. It's about facing. But that's really one of the great things about this sutta is it, uh, it, it takes into account what we might call conditional realities, you know, the realities of your situation or situational realities. So the sutta puts mindful practice at the front you know, the idea of seeing things clearly and facing things and so adiwa and we saw with adiwasana the idea of bearing or enduring things that normally we wouldn't think to endure and that's very much a part of insight meditation and the buddha's teaching but then there's this acknowledgement that clearly there are things that we should avoid. Of course, most of the time our avoiding is a bad thing. But that's not what this is about. This is an acknowledgement that sometimes avoiding is a good thing. And there are two, two sorts of categories of things that we should avoid, things that absolutely must be avoided. Uh, I guess by anyone you might say I guess you could say things that should be avoided uh, because we're human and and things that should be avoided based on our situation is the second category and this varies uh, and it's a little more interesting the first one's not so interesting I mean it's it's important to lay this down because uh, you otherwise might find people doing all sorts of things that are a danger to their not only their practice but perhaps even their lives um, so the Buddha talks about uh, uh, <clears throat> a wild elephant a wild elephant is something you should avoid a wild wild animals Wild pigs. Apparently wild pigs are very vicious. You should give them a wide berth. And one one man tell me once about walking in Sri Lanka and he saw a wild pig and off to the side of the trail and just suddenly for no reason the pig just uh, charged him and, and stabbed him in the leg with his tusk or her tusk wild bears in Canada 
wild moose. You should probably avoid wild moose. And there's should be there should be no surprise here, but it, it, it both of these are, are all of this. This section really speaks, I think, to this idea of situation. How it's all fine and good, or it's it's true that it's the core of our practice to bear with and to see things clearly and to, to, to focus on ultimate reality but in order to do that and in order to sustain that and in order to uh, allow the practice and, and in order for the practice to, to be fruitful there are situational realities that we have to accept our situation in in our family as a father or a mother or a sister or brother a child and so on a situation in society as a taxpayer uh, our situation in in our workplace in you know our situation as needing money and so on and so there there are restrictions there are conditions placed or there are there are handicaps i don't know if that's the right word that are placed on our our ability to practice that are realities the realities of our situation and i get a lot of questions that relate to this sort of thing you know what should i do in this situation and that situation and it's very difficult to answer those questions. I mean, it's a very complicated, uh, complicated world that we live in. Um, but I mean, the point is that there generally is no answer. There's no cut and dried answer. This is what you should do. There's a sense of the the guidelines by which you should live. And often it means not finding an answer that allows you to solve a problem, but it's much more about accepting the problem as part of your situation, right? Like, why is it that you, you aren't able to go off into the forest and practice meditation? Well, there are lots of reasons for that. And all of those all of those reasons should be taken into account because they're part of your practice. Some of them are just going to be excuses. But even the excuses, you have to understand why am I making excuses? Why? Where is this coming from? And it's not it's not enough to say, boy, I wish I was just staying in my room and meditating all the time. You have to figure out how to get there from where you are. And so avoiding is a necessary tool in many ways. I mean, most obviously if it's a threat to your life, not because enlightened people have to worry about dying, but because unenlightened people have to worry about dying. It's our situation. Acknowledging that we're unenlightened means, yep, not dying would be probably a good thing. Not getting sick probably be a good thing for many reasons even if it just means 
if I get sick, then I'll I'll lose my job or so on, and uh, I won't have any money, and and well, that will be a potential problem for me to continue practicing. Potentially, I mean, maybe not, or it will. I'm not ready for that, right? Um, a lot of it surrounds work because work is livelihood, employment, and well, it's necessary to to be employed to the extent that you can live. And again, there's a lot of talk about simplicity and and what you need versus what you want, but. To some extent, the situational reality is is something we have to consider, and so we have we avoid many things for many reasons, and many of oftentimes that's a, they're good reasons. They are good reasons. Obviously, for a monk, there's a lot less that we have to avoid. It's a lot less complicated. It doesn't mean we don't have to avoid things. So there are these things that. Well, certain things that everyone has to avoid, but then the situational things that we have to avoid, like monks, for example, have to avoid sitting alone with a woman. Right? Monks should avoid going into bars. Uh, monks should avoid hanging out with um, hanging out with with single women. Hanging out with bhikkhunis. We're talking about, sorry, bhikkhus should avoid hanging out with bhikkhunis, and of course the opposite is true. Uh, and and that there's nothing that's obviously incredibly situational. There's nothing profound about that. It's just that they get a bad reputation, and 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 that's an interesting point. The Buddha acknowledges this concept of of. By getting a bad reputation, it make it creates misunderstanding, and that is a valid reason to avoid things. You want to present a um, a clear and unsuspicious front. I mean, as a monk, but but and everyone does. I mean, it's a good it's a good example for for people who aren't monks. You know, the idea of to some extent, being a stand-up citizen and and living your life in a way to avoid suspicion and complication and and all sorts of different kinds of friction. I think there's a a third important point to make um, that's not maybe not addressed so explicitly here is. That if monk, for example, if monks do hang out with single women, well, it's it does increase the chances of them doing things that monks really aren't supposed to do, and that's a good point because, as as non-monks, there are many things we probably should avoid um, because of the potential cause for 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 problems, right? I mean. Really, any Buddhist shouldn't go into a bar or should do their best. Or let's say an alcoholic should avoid going into a bar. So Buddhists, by extension, should avoid things that 
they know are going to cause them to to potentially slip right like um i don't know getting uh anything that you get caught up in can like for example your phone well maybe when you do meditation you want to put your phone on airplane mode otherwise chances are you're going to be distracted by the phone and when the phone rings so again avoiding is is very much to do with with how it relates to our practice and how it supports our practice there are things we should avoid and we talked about pain but uh, injury is probably another good example and there are cases of, there are examples of people, there are people who, no, no, there are examples of sitting too long in an uncomfortable position and it actually has a detrimental effect on your body. Um, so you have to have a sense of that as well. I mean, it's usually for, for people who have injuries or... Um, some bodily condition that means it's really better that they sit in a chair or that they sit in a specific way because if they don't well it's going to in the long run be a detriment to their practice maybe it'll be harder for them to walk or harder for them to sit or be harmful to their health in different ways so it's another facet I mean it has to be said there's not a lot it's not a very profound section, I suppose, but it's it's necessary, and it it really gives you a sense that yes, this is this is the framework. This sutta really puts out the framework, and it it points out the various ways in which we purify our minds, in which we do away with those things that cause us stress and suffering. One of them is by avoiding, because if we didn't avoid certain things, these certain things that we talk about, well, it would lead to stress and vexation and the fever of defilements. So that's the Dhamma for tonight. And we'll take questions. What to do when an earworm arises during practice? An earworm, you mean a sound? The thought or memory of a song will overcome, so a thought or memory of a song. Well, you will note it, you note it as hearing, hearing. Yeah, but it's so strong that I end up frustrated and tired, well then you should note frustrated, frustrated and tired. I mean, this is giving you insight into your mind. The, the, the point is that it's not under your control and your, the frustration comes when it's not doing what you want. You want it to go away, you want it to not come back. You want to focus on something else. All of that and those expectations are the cause of stress and suffering and frustration. 
So if you're patient, you'll change that about yourself and you'll get less frustrated about things. Can you stay with the rising and falling in daily life as well as in seated meditation? You can, if you're sitting. I mean, it's not the kind of thing I'd, ex I'd, I'd encourage you to do when there's other things happening, like you're eating, for example. If you're eating, you should focus on chewing and swallowing. But um, if you're sitting on the bus or something, or just sitting at home, Are there any exceptions to the sixth precept of no eating afternoon? I've heard some exceptions such as yogurt, cheese and chocolate. Well, the texts are pretty clear. The only thing that's allowed are fruit juice, vegetable juice, root juice, leaf juice, that kind of thing. I mean, there are other exceptions for medicine, but they're all for medicine. And a lot of people have used those medicines, those medicinal allowances to allow lots of different things. Like oil is allowed as a medicine. If you're sick, it's for sick monks. It says quite clearly that for sick monks, kilana nang bikunang means for sick monks. So if you're, you know, if you're hungry, it doesn't really qualify as being sick. I'm having trouble understanding the selfless nature of mind consciousness. I realize it explained it explained us without a knower, just knowing. But I'm having a, having trouble understanding how knowing can take place without a knower. The mind consciousness for me seems to be a last refuge for the illusion of self. Well, it's not something you can think your way through. I mean, non-self is something you have to see through the practice. So all this intellectual stuff that's going on in your mind of trying to understand, you're going about it all wrong. There's no point in trying to understand any of this. You should just try to practice. If you're mindful, the understanding will come by itself. I won't have to tell you anything. I found most of the angry thoughts and lust thoughts based on past memories come to mind when having a shower bath. Hmm. These thoughts make my mind try to create different imaginations. Is there any relationship between relaxation, being alone, and defilements? Right, I see. Um, yes, potentially. Um, because your mind is not... Uh, when you're not challenged, your mind is... Um, you, you feel comfortable. I mean, it's really just habits. It's just the way we've, we've developed as being, as humans. Right? When... The going gets tough, the tough get going. There's a reason for that because um, you you get into the habit, hopefully, of under adversity being uh, 
being you know moving into or shifting into a habit of responding with uh, positive traits of an effort and attention and so on but uh, we get into the habit of okay now I can relax right when things are good and so there, there's no cosmic or or you know fundamental reason for it it's just an interesting it's not really interesting it's an unfortunate habit that we we gen generally tend to get into when the going is not so tough we relax and we let it slide and and the bad habits come up it's just a habit it's just the way we develop just shows your your habitual nature it shows who you are as a person how is dhamma applied in, applied in daily practice seems like it contains many buddhist concepts well the hindrances liking disliking drowsiness distraction doubt seeing the senses seeing hearing smelling tasting feeling thinking In several videos you state that liking and wanting are the same. I understand that what one wants, one likes, and what one likes, one wants. But the statement is confusing because there seems a clear difference in experiencing craving. A judgment of a feeling as pleasant. And one's thirst is satisfied by drinking agreeable juice. Right. Um... Well, it's it's technically the same thing. I mean, it's 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 technically a state of of wanting the the a liking of something is. I don't know. Technically, it's the same. That's all I can say. But but clearly, yes, liking it feels very much like liking, and wanting feels very much like wanting. It's an interesting question. I wouldn't worry too much about it. If you like, say liking. If you want, say wanting. Is one required to have their parents' permission in order to ordain as a monk? Yes, one is required. What is said or written about mudra changing the frequency? It's not what I teach, sorry. Dear Bhikkhu, I have been in appreciation. I do vipassana samatha. I'm a psychiatric I'm on psychiatric medication and find them all useful. The question that occurred to me is how can I do these more frequently? Thank you, regards and many blessed blessings. Well, I mean, keep it up. Keep doing it. That's all I can say, really. I mean, medication is unfortunate and problematic because it—I um, mean, it, it covers up the sorts of things that we're trying to look at. And this is a problem that everyone has that they have to wrestle with in meditate meditation. Is that 
Meditation isn't about avoiding your problems or it isn't about uh, fixing your problems. It's about understanding your problems. And the only way you can understand them is if they come up. I think we put too much reliance on medication thinking that all it does is flick the switch back off that was wrongly turned on. It's not really the case. The situation in our, of our minds is who we are. And it's unfortunate that for some people that is unbearable. But, you know, meditation is about learning to bear it. So... I think for I think it's unfortunate that many people end up taking medication that probably didn't need to. And I know that there are people who of course need to. And I think it's unfortunate that it's much harder to get off it once you've already started taking it for some time. Um, but uh, I think it's most unfortunate that those people didn't find meditation. Um, and and weren't able to avoid having to take psychoactive medication, but I can't budge on that. I mean, I'm not going to say it's okay. You can become enlightened while you're on psychoactive medication. Maybe technically it's possible. In my experience, it seems a real serious obstacle. That, not my personal experience, but my experience as a teacher, teaching people who have taken it, who, who are taking medication. Because their practice ends up being flat. Right? They don't, they don't, they aren't challenged in the way that other people are challenged. When I am meditating, any thoughts arises that I am unable to be mindful. Again, not a question. What is the problem? I have no control over it or hold on it. Well, that's seeing non-self. That's uh, that's what you're trying to see. So good for you. The more you see it, the more you'll let go of your thoughts and stop trying to fix them. Stop trying to control them. When will you be visiting the United States? I don't know. <laughs> not really inclined to visit the United States these days oh I'll be going in uh, in December I'll be going to Tampa, Florida uh, December 22nd I think I'm going I already have a ticket and I'll be back uh, January 3rd that's where my mother lives. I'll be going there and I'll do some teaching hopefully and we'll give a gift, we'll give a donation to the children's home, hopefully. How to deal with uncomfortable feeling? Well, feelings aren't uncomfortable. There's a feeling and then you don't like it and that's a habitual reaction. If you read, I encourage you to read my booklet on how to meditate. It should give you some advice on how to deal with feelings and your reactions to them. You're welcome. That's all the questions for tonight. Hope I wasn't too hard on the askers.
Thank you all for tuning in. Have a good night.